0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It's Thursday, December 30th, 2021, coming to you live, not pre-recorded, uh, back in town. And uh, today we're going to consider actually what will come around maybe in a couple weeks on Sunday, uh, the readings that pertain to Jesus entering into the temple at age 12. So this is Old Testament epistle. So we'll, we'll talk more about them when we get to it then. Um, but, you know, school's out, so it's a good time to cover some of these readings that we might not otherwise look at or talk about. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, yes. Uh, since I pre-recorded Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll note that we were praying uh, for Roy Herms. Uh, Roy died in the Lord last week friday so after i had pre-recorded them i think friday or was it thursday uh new year's eve i went out the day before new year's i think was that right or before christmas uh, i'm not sure it was a thursday or friday last week uh funeral preparations we'll probably hear more about those today and uh, we'll let you know when that's going to be so that you can comfort and console uh dan and liz and uh, you know roy living as long as he did uh, not a lot of friends and and uh didn't have uh doesn't have a huge family so uh, it would be really helpful for us as a congregation to come alongside them and to encourage them all right uh, it looks like the internet's been kind of sketchy here the last few days probably weather related I imagine um, but it's working now for the moment uh, it was giving me some fits here a few minutes ago so uh, if it gets gets blocky or not visible just keep listening and you'll be fine let's start From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, verse 14. Our psalm this week is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind, and before, and lay your hand on me, upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. If I count them, they are more than the sand. If I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way within me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, before our readings, uh, just greetings, I see uh, Grace, Don, Michael, Karen, of course, Gus and Eileen, um, Tim in Oklahoma, and Karen, good to have you all here with us today. Our first reading then today is from Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I see also Chris checking in there. Good to have you too. Um, So you hear, hear the picture of the Christian congregation as being a body and that we collectively have been uh, if you want to use the language of of grafting, Jesus uses that picture too, like a vine being grafted onto a branch, right? So we were the the wild branch that's been grafted onto the vine. Excuse me, uh, that is, um, you know, that has root and stem. Uh, Jesus is that root and stem that we have been grafted on. The shoot of Jesse we heard uh, here in the last week or so, and here though he talks about it in terms of a body, right? And so that we are being built up in the body of Christ, each individually unique. Um, fearfully and wonderfully made as we heard in the psalm but to collectively known as, as the body of Christ right. now of course Jesus has uh, earthly body, human body a body that died and rose and is resurrected ascended and then now sits at the right hand of the father but a body that is also communicated according to his uh, divine attributes so that we receive his body and blood and it's not consumed um, that is eaten up but rather it's uh, given to us in the sacrament in a mysterious way right uh, but here also the body is likened then to the christian congregation or the whole church as a whole i should say uh, one of the other pictures he uses is for his body is of course it being a temple and then peter will pick up on that and call us each individual stones living stones upon cr- built upon christ the cornerstone or the foundation And then collectively, again, known as the body of Christ, uh, members of a sort as stones uh, collectively built into a building, right? Uh, And with Christ being the cornerstone. Beautiful picture. This all, of course, then connects to Jesus uh, when he is, well, it's during Holy Week in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and in John, it's back in, I think, chapter 12, so pretty early, or chapter 10, maybe even, of John's gospel, where he... uh, Says that the the temple is actually the temple, the physical temple that David, Solomon, Herod the Great rebuilt. Um, those are pictures or shadows of his actual physical body. So destroy this temple in three days, and I will raise it up. Right, um, referring to his body as they remembered after his resurrection. So that uh, applies. Then <laughs> it's an interesting thought when we get to. Uh, Jesus arriving in the temple uh, to pray at age 12, right? Because here is the temple himself, right? Uh, The word became flesh and tabernacled or templed among us, right? Um, Now praying in the shadow of what is of, of his own body, right? So he's in this physical building, but that's meant to show or point towards him, right? And then, of course, that affects the response that Jesus gives to his uh, parents, Mary and Joseph, when they come and say, "Don't you know?" And he says to them, "Don't you know that I must be about my Father's business? Right in my Father's house are many rooms," referring to his body. Hmm. So now, uh, having that in, in mind, then look at um, when the Ark of the Covenant comes into the into the temple, and, uh, or excuse me, into the yeah into the temple uh, with Solomon in First Kings chapter eight. Good to see you there, Laurie and Tim. See you checking in there as well. First Kings chapter 8. Then the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the Ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the Ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary. But they could not be seen from the outside, and they are there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon spoke, The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud, I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. Of course, Solomon's words are somewhat ironic since, again, it's a shadow of the actual thing that is to come, Christ's body, uh, in which we, being grafted into him, dwell forever, right? Uh, Luther has an interesting commentary on this text. It's in the context of um, Hebrews chapter 9. So you remember when we did the Bible study on Hebrews, that was our Wednesday evening Bible study, that uh, the writer to the Hebrews makes all of these connections between the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, that is, um, the temple, and then, of course, uh, Christ and his body. So in in chapter 9 of Hebrews, well, let me read a little bit of it, and then I'll read you what Luther has to say. Hebrews 9. Yeah. So then, indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And beyond the second veil, the part of the tabernacle was just called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all its sides with gold, and which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. All right, so this is the tabernacle, comparable to the temple, as we just heard. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now listen to this. Now when these things had been thus prepared, the the priests always went into the inner part of the tabernacle performing the services. But in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, and that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was standing, right? Because the way that's made manifest into the holiest of all is through Jesus, through his blood, right? It was symbolic for the present time, in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience, concerning only the foods and drinks, the various washings, the fleshy ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. But, This is Hebrews 9, chapter 11, or verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Right. And there's much more. It's a beautiful chapter, really worth your your reading. So Hebrews chapter 9. And you notice how um, that is exegetically, that is interpreting the Bible, how. Uh, we come to this understanding then of the temple and the tabernacle being shadows of Christ himself, who by his own blood offers entrance for all into the holy place, making us all priests of God, right? In him, all, we're all, he is the high priest, of course, um, but we who are joined to him have the same access that only the high priest had in the temple and tabernacle, all right? Uh, so here's what Luther has to say, and he's talking about in specific um, that golden censer The golden censer. I think that's what I want to cover. Let me make sure. Yeah, right. So that was uh, verse two of chapter nine, right? For the tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of Covenant overlaid with gold. All right, so what was the purpose of the censer, right? That's where you would all offer incense in the most holy place, the holiest of all. This is what he says. One should note that the apostle says here that the golden censer was in the holy of holies. This has caused many to think that Paul is not the author of the epistle of Hebrews, since Moses seems to have said nothing about such a censer. But the text itself speaks in an obscure manner, so that it is uncertain whether the tabernacle had only two altars or three. For the altar for the burnt offerings, which was a bronze, which was of bronze and stood in the court, is described with sufficient clarity in Exodus 27. But the second altar, namely the one on which incense was burned and which was overlaid with gold, is placed by all in the holy place, namely between the lampstand and the table. Thus Exodus 30, verses 6 through 7 says. All right. Um, Let's see. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. So he's talking about kind of the controversy about these arcs. Um, But here, in regards to our, our text here, 1 Kings chapter 8. Furthermore, it is customary to draw attention to the fact that in 1 Kings 8 verse 9, it is written that in the ark there was nothing but the two tables of the covenant. But the apostle says that a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's rod were also in it. Uh, Here, Faber distorts the preposition and understands with which instead of in which, so that in this way he could maintain that it was not the ark, but it was with the ark. And certainly Exodus sixteen thirty three sa- simply says, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. And Aaron placed it in the tabernacle. Although one cannot gather from this text or in, in my recollection in any other scripture passage that a golden urn is meant, yet it is clearly stated here that there was a jar for the manna. Therefore, it follows that although it is recorded that there is nothing but manna in the ark, or there, there was nothing but manna in the ark, yet one should not understand that the manna was kept without its jar, which he calls a golden urn here in Hebrews. And thus there is agreement with First Kings 8, verse 9. All right? But concerning Aaron's rod, number 17, 10 says, put back the rod of Aaron into the tabernacle of the covenant to be kept there as a sign for the rebels of the children of Israel. One cannot hold on the basis of this text that the rod was in the ark unless one takes the ark to be the tabernacle of the covenant, just as one must understand Exodus 16.33. All right. Uh, when it says about the manna, and Aaron placed it in the tabernacle, as quoted here, yet others say both that they were outside the ark, and it can be said that they were uh, had been in the ark because they were on the side of the ark, as is stated in Deuteronomy 31. Take this book and put it by the side of the ark of the covenant. Or one could say, according to 1 Kings 8, verse 9, that after Solomon built the temple, he transferred Aaron's rod from the ark Not because this can be proved with any text, but because it can be shown that a similar thing happened in the case of the book of Deuteronomy, which is recorded, 2 Kings 22, was found at the time of Josiah, not at the side of the ark, but behind the altar. All right, so what's Luther dealing with here? I know it's all kind of confusing, but he's dealing with the idea um, that there's a conflict in the text now. These kind of things happen all the time. There's actually a book, um, it was by, I think, Johann Arndt. Many people had it um and it was called Bible difficulties i think it was published back in the 50s maybe a little book and it tried to deal with some of these things um it ultimately is kind of a an an interesting question but the only thing that we can say for sure which was in the ark at the time of the temple in 1st kings is the tablets of stone um Aaron's rod what had happened to that what happened to the omer of the manna it doesn't really say whether they were still there, whether they were kept somewhere else. It doesn't really say, it's not really the point. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting here is um, that in First Kings 8, it said, you notice uh, what it says in chapter uh, verse 12, then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud, right? So notice that there's a there's a darkness here. And I think this is key for us to understand is that in the tabernacle and then in the temple, um, there's that thick cloud, there's that thick darkness, right, that covers um, the tabernacle. And that prevented people prevented the priest from even ministering when that cloud descended on it. But what happens with Jesus? What happens with Jesus when he comes into the tabernacle? It's actually light entering into a dark place, right? Does God dwell in the dark cloud here? Yes, right? But now in Christ, he's been revealed and it's no longer darkness, but now it's light, light that banishes the darkness, which is one of the big themes in Epiphany, which you'll hear um, starting uh, next week, Wednesday, with the Epiphany of our Lord, right, and going into that whole season of epiphany. All right. So this is all kind of background, um, but really important for us to understand who Jesus is. all right? and And again, type and shadow uh, work this way. So there are some things about the tabernacle and then the temple that correspond to Jesus, kind of a one to one or uh, you know metaphorically connected. There's other things that um are unlike. Right? So this happens with type and anti-type or with um, shadow and the thing that is to come, is that the thing of old is um, qualitatively different. And then you see maybe even the opposite or something quite different um, in the thing that is to come. So so it still points forward to Jesus, but by way of opposite. So in the tabernacle, it's covered in darkness and it can't see and there's no ministry. And now in Jesus, we can see and there's light and it reveals um the sacrifice that is given right and and in the tabernacle of old only the high priest could enter but now in christ all can enter into the most holy place through his blood you see so there's comparisons that are equal and then there's comparisons that are opposite all right Uh, again go read hebrews chapter 9 for more on that it it seems kind of silly that that wouldn't have been the uh, uh the reading to be appointed for the day when jesus enters into the holy place Um, Well, not quite, but uh, enters into the temple at age 12. But we'll hear that in a couple weeks. So now you have a little bit more preparation for that. All right. Now let's confess our second article, speaking of Jesus entering the most holy place. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the second article of the Creed, you teach us... That your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the greatest gift of your love for us. He is truly God, begotten of you from eternity, and he is truly man, born of the Virgin Mary. He has become our Lord and Savior by redeeming us from all sins, death, and from the power of the devil, with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. We no longer belong to the devil. Sin and death have no power over us. Jesus did all this that we might be his own and that we might live under him in his kingdom in the protection and safety of his everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness for all eternity. For all that Jesus has done for us, we give you thanks and praise. Forgive us for trusting in any work of our own for salvation. Forgive us for doubting your love and the precious gift of forgiveness we have in Jesus. Grant us through the grace of your only begotten Son to believe with absolute confidence that our sins are forgiven and we stand before you Stand righteous before you for Jesus' sake, because he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Prayer Collect for this week. O God, our Maker and Redeemer, you wonderfully created us and in the incarnation of your Son yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ and his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray this day with Sam, who celebrates his birthday, with Martin, who celebrates his baptism. We pray for Roger and Sherry, Willis, Dick and Jean, Jackie, Jesse and Lisa, Jed and Rebecca. Continue to rejoice with the Larson's at the birth of Dorothea. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or continuing in their recovery, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, Janice, and Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Elaine, and Mike. We pray for those homebound, Bev, David, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. We pray for uh, all the missions and mercy work of the church, especially a place of refuge. We ask the Lord, give us all a blessed end to this life and a blessed resurrection to eternal life. Um, Let me add here. There we go. Let's pray for those who are grieving, continuing to grieve, especially the family and friends of Roger and Rhonda, now of Roy, Dionysio, and Wallace. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we got to sing this last night, although there are only a handful of us. Uh, it's still such a lovely hymn. and. uh That's good to sing. So we'll sing it here on our Congregation of Prayer.
1: See, my soul, thy Savior chooses weakness, here and poverty. In such love he comes to thee. Neither crib nor cross refuses. All he suffers for thy good to redeem thee by thy blood. Joy, or oh joy, beyond all gladness. Christ has done away with sadness and so sorrow and repining. for the sun of grace is shining. Lord, how shall I thank Thee rightly? I acknowledge that by Thee I am saved eternally. Let me not forget it lightly, but to thee at all times glee, and my heart true peace receive. Joy, oh joy, beyond all gladness, Christ has on away with sadness, and soul sorrow, and repining for the Son of is shine, Garden by thy members, fill them with thy boundless grace. Hear thy prayers in every place. Burn to flame faith growing embers, grant all Christians far and near, holy peace, a glad new year. Joy, or oh joy, beyond all gladness. Christ has done away with sadness and so sorrow of, and repining for the sun of grace is shining.
0: So good to have you with us all here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. I come to you each morning, nine AM. So we'll do again do that again tomorrow, Friday. Uh, we'll Here's some readings to prepare for New Year's Eve, which uh, you could have done last night in person, uh, but we'll do in congregation prayer again tomorrow, all right, in the morning. Uh, help you kind of bring a close to the to the calendar year and usher in a new year, which we'll recognize on on Saturday. We're not having uh, church services Friday night or uh, Saturday morning. That was originally the plan, uh, maybe many months ago or a month ago, <laughs> um, but given the way the schedule fell, and uh, I had plans to uh, go visit family again the end of this week. I chose not to. Of course, Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., we'll um, change the schedule there. We're going to recognize the second Sunday after Christmas. I think it's uh, quite fitting for us, given um, some of the things going on in our world around us, uh, even more appropriate than transferring uh, January 1st to January 2nd. So um, make plans for Sunday to be here, of course, in person. And the next two-week Wednesdays, um, set aside time in the evening to come out in person We're going to have the Epiphany of Our Lord, which falls on um, either Tuesday or Thursday, but we'll celebrate on Wednesday night, Epiphany of Our Lord. And then the following week, Wednesday, is the Baptism of Our Lord, two feast days uh, to Jesus. So uh, make plans to come out on Wednesday evening, continue our celebration uh, of Christmas into Epiphany. All right. So Lord be with you all. And uh, yeah, blessings on your day.